Hey folks, before we get to the next episode of Voices in My Head, I wanted to ask you to consider leaving a tip at my website, rickleejames.com. It's always going to be my intent to offer you this podcast for free, but the reality is that there are production costs involved. Things like recording equipment updates, domain name costs, Skype credit for guest phone calls, providing the Rick Lee James mobile app for free listening, and frankly, earning a little something for the hours of preparation it takes to bring you new podcasts every week. I know it's a tough economy, and that's why I want to keep this podcast free. But if you are enjoying the podcast and would like to swing a couple dollars my way, then come by my website at rickleejames.com, click on the tab that says Tip Jar, and leave whatever amount you feel able to give through PayPal. It's like when you're at one of my concerts and I leave a tip jar in front of the stage. Now, if you can't afford anything, please don't bother to give me a tip. And if it came down to supporting me or supporting a hungry person suffering from poverty, then by all means, give to them. But if you can, swing a few shekels my way, I'd be very grateful. That's all for now, so sit back and enjoy today's podcast. Blessings to you all. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices in My Head. The official podcast of Rick Lee James. I am Rick Lee James, and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the window. Welcome back, listeners, to episode number 26 of Voices in My Head. I am Rick Lee James, your host on this journey today, and it's going to be another exciting episode. We have Cindy Wilt Colville on the podcast today, and she's going to answer some questions for us, things that you may not know. If you're a musician, you may know these things, but oftentimes I think even uh, even musicians, uh, people like me even, who are independent, don't always know these terms. We're going to find out exactly what a producer does. We're going to find out about publishing, artist management, and uh, most importantly, Cindy, uh, who you're going to hear more about later in the show is going to do some song critiquing of some of some of our listeners music uh we had some brave listeners who sent in their music and we're going to make that available to you uh segments of it on the show but you're going to get to hear the whole songs on the website at rickleyjames.com uh and it's going to be a good episode today it's the first time i've ever done anything like this where i've asked an industry professional to uh come on the show and actually critique some music and she did a great job so we got some good stuff in store for you today Starting off, though, I want to remind you that uh, we are available on all sorts of different listening devices. If you uh, are on the Android Marketplace with your phone or whatever, uh, or on iTunes, you can download the Stitcher app, and uh, happy to be partnered with them. You can download us on iTunes, you can get us on Podbean, you can get us uh, really just about anywhere that podcasts are found. So if you're wondering, uh, you know, maybe you're just listening to this on your computer because at rickleejames.com, now we do have every episode online right on the screen. Maybe you don't want to be confined to your computer when you're listening to the podcast. Maybe you'd like to go out and wander. Um, You can go to so many different sites now. So just go to rickleejames.com com and find out where you can download things. We're going to start the show today with a segment that I haven't done in quite some time, uh, and the reason is because I just saw a story that kind of caught my eye, and it was news to me. This just popped into my head, it's news to me. Well, it's news to me. Actually, comes from Yahoo News today. I was looking just before the show, and I saw this article that says McDonald's gets a less American 
sorry, gets less American uniforms. Uh, and the, the reason being is the designer of this, he's actually British, and the designer calls the old looks too casual and says that the new ones enhance the food. I might have to come back to that one in just a second because I'm not really sure that the uniforms are going to change the food and make it any better. But as uh, as we read here, you know, it says uh, about the new look that they're going to have takes its cue from the kitchen. Pickle green and mustard yellow polo shirts at the counter, mustard colored skinny ties and belts for managers, uh, lettuce green pants for customers and customer service assistants. But the condiment cues are only rem uh, the only reminder of the old get-ups. And he says they've taken some of the Americanism out of the uniforms, and uh, they're they're making it shine in a new way. And he says that uh, if you've ever been uh, to a drive-through or even a Starbucks, you'll realize um, what the designer means by American. Uh, that baseball caps are a big thing with fast food, but they're far too casual. So his theory is that making the uniforms less casual is going to make the food seem better. I guess um, I don't know exactly how that works, uh, but you can read about it online. But it was interesting that skinny ties and skinny belts and um, I don't know. Do you have to be skinny to wear those things? Because, uh, you know, McDonald's is one of those places that just about anybody can go to and feel skinny. You know, it's kind of like Walmart. Um, but anyway, it says, uh, where was the part I was looking for? It says, unlike the phased-out styrofoam Big Mac clamshells, these clothes are totally recyclable. These are sustainable materials that will never grow into a landfill, explains Hemingway. When they reach the end of their wearability, they'll be connected collected in the store and reprocessed into new uniforms or other usable materials so they'll never go to waste. Exactly the opposite of McDonald's french fries, because I believe if you let McDonald's french fries sit in a landfill, you could come back to them decades later and they would still look like the day you bought them the first time. Uh, if you think I'm wrong, you know, go and do the experiment for yourself, but Morgan Spurlock showed us all that on the Super Size Me documentary, but I don't know, what do you guys think about that? Uh, do you think that the new clothes at McDonald's are going to really do much for the food or, or change the way people think about McDonald's? I don't know. It's an interesting question, but it was news to me this week, and I uh, just thought it was interesting that the uniforms are going to be recyclable and that they'll be reprocessed. I guess McDonald's actually absolutely doesn't want to offer anything fresh, not even the uniforms anymore. <laughs> They're going to absolutely reprocess and reprocess and reprocess everything. There's also another place I found that McDonald's is in the news this week. Not so much the restaurant itself, but something involving McDonald's. Uh, I found this on the Huffington Post, and the article says that the title is James Hackett Arrested for Allegedly Throwing McDonald's French Fries at Stepdaughter. Interesting story. A Massachusetts man was arrested after he allegedly threw a container of McDonald's French Fries at his 11-year-old stepdaughter. James Hackett, his wife, and the girl were driving home after grabbing some fast food from a local McDonald's on Friday, according to a police report obtained by the smoking gun. On the way, the married couple began arguing over money, according to the police. The 11-year-old interjected from the back seat of the vehicle in an effort to get the adults to cease their bickering. Upset at the girl for butting in, Hackett allegedly threw the container of french fries into the back seat of the vehicle, hitting his stepdaughter in the face. Officer Richard Cesars noted that the fries were hot and oily and could have caused burning to the victim's skin and eyes. However, the child was not seriously hurt, CBS Boston reported. 
Hackett's wife, the child's mother, reported the incident to the police, and Hackett, 26, pleaded not guilty in court on Monday to charges of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. He was released on bail on the condition that he would stay away from the 11-year-old, according to the smoking gun. Interesting that uh, the charges of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. Uh, now McDonald's french fries are considered dangerous weapons. And yet, hmm, we still love them, don't we, folks? They have an interesting taste. I'll have to admit, I've become a vegetarian uh, over the last few weeks, actually. My wife and I both. And we're trying to eat as healthy as we can. But just because you're a vegetarian doesn't mean you know you can't eat french fries. probably should mean that. Uh, but the other day, got to be honest, we did not stop, but we were on the road, and we thought, boy, McDonald's fries kind of sound good. And, you know, that's a food that stays with you. It probably doesn't even leave your system. They used to say that, you know, McDonald's, uh, that bubble gum would stay in your system for like eight years when I was a kid. That was a myth. But I think it may be true about McDonald's fries. Well, anyway, that's where I saw McDonald's in the news this week. Just thought I would bring you up to date. You have been listening to another exciting segment of It's News to Me. This just popped into my head. It's news to me. Well, speaking of news, last week, if you listened to the episode, it may have been news to you to find out that Dr. William Willimon had passed away. In my conversation with Dr. David Myers, he had mentioned that and when I mentioned uh, William Willimon. Well, it turns out that uh, that is actually not true. He was mistaken, and I, I didn't think he had passed away. I had heard he was in bad health. Um, but apparently he has not passed away. So, Dr. Willimon, uh, we wish you all the best, and uh, I'd even like to extend an invitation to you on the podcast if you're ever able to come on the show. You're one of my favorites, and I uh, just always appreciate what you have to say. But I did want to make that disclaimer on there. We didn't mean to uh, to kill off Dr. Willimon last week, I promise you. Uh, nothing but respect for the man, and uh, I think you can even hear that in the conversation that we had. And speaking of last week's episode, I, I've been getting some good feedback from you and I appreciate that and it's not all been uh, on on the wall of the the Facebook page some of it has been through emails or texts or different comments that I've gotten and I just really appreciate that I know that um, last week was, could have potentially been quite a di- divisive episode in many ways because of the topic uh, and the subject matter but I appreciate so many of you and your encouragement and just the uh, the open dialogue that people want to have there about the topic uh, of homosexuality. And uh, Dr. Myers, I just want to thank him again for his time and being so generous to be there with us. Um, but while we're on the subject of past shows and your feedback, I guess that would be a good uh, transition, segue, whatever you want to call it, into our next segment of the show, which is... Feedback. I always love that feedback sound when it comes in, but it does tend to scare me just a little bit. Well, we had some feedback this week, and uh, first of all, we had Andrew Hahn, who is a, a great musician of his own right. I appreciate him listening to the show, and uh, he, while listening to the podcast this week, he actually wrote in and said, Great start, 22 minutes in, great topic. Uh, he says, also, Heather and I went to Wild Goose last year, and she did again this year, got back this evening. Cool that you chatted with Gareth Higgins, and I agree, Gareth is just a really neat guy. Um, I wish I could have been a part of the Wild Goose Festival this year, but 
uh, it was a great chance, I think, just to highlight it on the podcast. And maybe next year we'll be able to go on location and, and do something like that. But thank you, Andrew, for listening. I appreciate it. And uh, it's great to great to have listeners like you on the show. We're going to hear from Andrew again in a few moments when we do Question of the Week. But we do have some other feedback I want to get to about the show. Um, this is from... PKTL James, which uh, I found out is my sister, so no nepotism there, I guess. But I appreciate her writing in. This is on the iTunes review page. Uh, She says, I've been debating on if I should write a review because Rick is my brother and I didn't want to sound biased. But as his sister, I can tell you that his podcast is a great way to find out just what Rick is really like. If you want to know what he finds interesting, what he values, or what he believes in, then this is the podcast to listen to. Plus, he has really interesting guests that cover a variety of topics. You'll hear interviews about everything from current books, music, and comic books, to theology, and ways to reach out and impact the world around you. It's good stuff. Download it today. And uh, and I, Tony, I, I as well uh, almost didn't read that today. Uh, because it, it feels weird when family members write in because you don't want just family members to be the ones uh, that are are building you up. But I do appreciate that, and uh, that was a nice review. Thank you for writing that in. Um, I do want to remind you that uh, the more reviews that we do get on iTunes, the more visibility that we get, and I appreciate everyone. Thank you very much for taking time. It really only takes 30 to 60 seconds to do it. Uh, but with every review, we get more visibility. Uh, again, that we are uh, kind of, I wouldn't say we're competitors, but we have other listeners from like the RC Sproul podcast. We have listeners from the Relevant podcast from that Relevant magazine puts out. And the more reviews that we get, the more downloads, the more listens that we have, um, the more visibility that we have. And that's uh, the goal of all this. So I appreciate that, especially if you haven't been able to donate anything. If you can't donate anything to the podcast or don't don't want to sponsor a show or do anything like that. I'll tell you, if you're enjoying it, one of the best things you can do, just leave a review on iTunes uh, or on even on rickleyjames.com. And uh, I, I really do appreciate all of those words that you send in. So thank you, listeners, for listening again this week. And thank you for being a part of this week's feedback. And I want to remind you that uh, we do have a listener line that you can call into. If you want to leave a voicemail and leave feedback, it's 937 505 0162. Once again, that's 937-505-0162. You can go to that line. You can answer question of the week. You can leave feedback. If you just want to say, hey, Rick, how you doing? Uh, you can do that, and we will play your voice message on the show. So thanks for listening again to feedback. Thanks for sending that feedback in here on this segment. Wow. Feedback. Well, we once again got a lot of response from the question that we put out online. I'm really loving it. It's kind of hard to come up with questions every week, so maybe you have a suggestion for the question of the week. Uh, Feel free to email it to me at rljames29 at yahoo.com. That's rljames29 at yahoo.com. Or you can subscribe over at rickleyjames.com, and you can leave a message there as well. But uh, if you have an idea for a future question of the week, please let me know. Well, this week's question was customized because I knew that I had one of the great music industry professionals here on the show this week. And that's going to lead us into our next segment, the (laughs) ever-popular... 
Question of the week for episode number 26 is, if you had to pick only one songwriter's music to listen to for a month, who would you pick? And uh, the answer, we had a lot of good answers this week. Kyle Northrup was the first one, and I, I mean within minutes, uh, even almost seconds of putting this question up, I started getting answers from people online. He says, Marcus Mumford of Mumford & Sons and Jillian Welch. Man, Kyle, good taste. That's all I can say. Those are fantastic artists. Um, and then Matthew Cole says, Jimmy Buffett's songs that he has written are my favorite that he sings, so probably for a full month listening to Jimmy. Jimmy. So I guess uh, I, I kind of consider Matt Cole a parrot head anyway. So you could be a parrot head for a month, I guess, sir. And, uh, I, you know, Matt got to go to a Jimmy Buffett concert a while back, and he said it was one of the great experiences of his life. So uh, if you want to know what Pastor Matthew Cole is listening to, Jimmy Buffett's probably on his playlist. And we also had Brandon Hancock, also another past guest of the show. Uh, he wrote in and said, Tom Waits. He's about the only one I could think of whose body of work I assuredly would not get bored. Um, I totally misread that. He said, Let me try that again. Tom Waits. He's about the only one I could think of with whose body of work I assuredly would not get bored. Bob Dylan is a close second but lacks the musical stylistic diversity of Waits. You know, I need to get into Tom Waits more. I've listened to one or two of his albums, but I haven't gotten into him in the way that Brandon has, and I, I trust Brandon's musical taste. And I know Tom Waits is, is really one of the great songwriters of our time. Uh, you have to look beyond the gravelly voice and actually get into the depth of his lyrics and his musical styles. But you also see him on a lot of movies, and uh, he's a, a multi-talented person. Not long ago, I was in Chicago, found myself at a restaurant. Uh, I believe the restaurant was called Seven, and uh, the, they had a Tom Waits special there. Apparently, he is a frequenter of that restaurant. So uh, good choice, Tom Waits. Andrew Hahn, who we heard of uh, from a few minutes ago on the feedback segment, says there is one God, and that's lowercase g, and Chris Martin is his prophet. And uh, I think he meant to put capital G, though, and um, Andrew, good choice. If you guys like Coldplay out there, funny thing, I just presided over a wedding this weekend, and uh, that was the, uh, it was a Coldplay song that was actually played whenever the bride walked down the aisle and that was a first i'd never been in a wedding that had cold play before although it's hap i'm sure it's happening more and more i just haven't been to too many weddings lately uh, but speaking of which by the way if you're listening uh, michael womax and ashton who is now ashton womax congratulations you two it was a, it was a great wedding i appreciate you asking me to do the ceremony for you uh and finally let's get back into the question of the week again i digress um, he says, Mark Stewart or whoever wrote the music for Audio Adrenaline. Uh, thanks, Chad. This is, I think, Chad's first time writing in. I appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you uh, for writing in today. It's been a long time since I listened to Audio Adrenaline, although the other day on the Relevant Podcast, they actually were highlighting music from the 90s that we used to listen to, and uh, one of the segments was Audio Adrenaline, and they were singing some kind of real heavy song, and I forget what it was, uh, but all you had to do was listen to it a little bit and suddenly you're back in the audio adrenaline groove once again well thanks everybody for answering the question of the week that will be another question of the week this week um, i'm just not quite sure what it's going to be yet i'm going to have john finney on the show next week if all goes well and uh, john is a studio musician or a studio producer and uh, audio engineer 
And uh, he also really likes movies. And we were talking the other day uh, about the Avengers movie. So I don't know. Maybe I'll make a question that's customized around that. But when this podcast comes out, rest assured, the next question of the week will be up online. And you can listen to or you can leave a podcast answer once again on that phone line at 937-505-0162. Or simply just leave it on the Voices in My Head, the Rickley James Podcast Facebook page. Thanks for being a part of question of the week question of the week well i was certainly blessed this past week to have cindy wilt colville as my guest on the show and as a music veteran of over 25 years in the christian music industry who has worked with some of the top names in the business um, it was great to be able to not only speak with her as a guest, but I asked her if she would like to do some song critiquing on the air. Because I know we've got a lot of writers out there, a lot of listeners uh, who do write songs, and some of you are, are doing music, actually, for your profession right now. Some of you are trying to do that. And uh, I just wanted to take some time because I feel like uh, one of the best things we can do together is maybe kind of create a, muni- uh, a community where we can listen to each other's music and be able just to share um, and, you know, get a critique from each other and become better artists because of it. So uh, with that in mind, I, I asked Cindy, if what if I asked my listeners, you know, if, if they wanted to send in some music that they've been working on, and maybe you could do a critique right on the show. She was so gracious and willing to do that. Now, because these songs were a certain length and maybe a little bit too long for this show, what we're going to actually do is during the interview, uh, before we critique the song, I'm going to be playing a little segment of the song so you can hear it just before she goes into the critique and then to hear the entire song I'd like to refer you to my website at rickleejames.com and on today's podcast page episode number 26 you're going to be able to hear all of these songs in their entirety so just wanted to take a moment and uh, and let you know that that is available there I want you to be able to hear the full song it's just the uh the in this particular mode because she did uh, critique the songs. It would just take a really long time to get through the entire song and then hear the critique as well. So you can hear the full length of these songs. They were sent in by Bob Song and also by Jerry Andrews. And I just to put my own head on the chopping block as well, so to speak, because it's a it takes a lot of courage uh, to put your song out there to be critiqued by people. Um, I put in one that I'm currently working on as well and have been rewriting. And um, I, I wanted to play the final product because Cindy actually gave me some suggestions and helped me rewrite it. But I thought, no, I'm just going to put up the version uh, as it was. And you can kind of hear the way that she critiques and the wisdom that she brings to a song. So without any further hesitation, I bring you my interview with Cindy Wilt Colville. Wilt Colville is a 25-year veteran of the Christian music industry. Her passion is developing creative and skilled songwriters. Cindy started her music career with award-winning producer and songwriter Greg Nelson, where she was production manager on five gold and two platinum records. She was also the production manager for Stephen Curtis Chapman's first four records, was a music publisher for 15 years with both Benson and Word Music Publishing, While serving as vice president at Word, Cindy signed and developed top songwriters like Matthew West, Jason Ingram, and Cindy Morgan, just to name a few. Cindy has also directed the 2009 and 2011 ASCAP Foundation's Christian Songwriters Workshop, 
and has also been a speaker and songwriter for groups in uh, I'm sorry, a speaker for songwriter groups in Colorado, Texas, California, Pennsylvania, and Nashville. There's much more to say about Cindy, but one of the most important things is that for 12 years she's volunteered her time ministering at the Tennessee Prison for Women. It's my honor to welcome music publisher Cindy Wilk Colville to Voices in My Head today. Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is my honor, and I'm always excited to talk about songwriters and songs. Well, me too, and I'm really excited to have you here today. Just You have done so much in the uh, the music industry, and it's sort of been a behind-the-scenes thing, but I don't think a lot of people understand sometimes the, the process of what goes into um, making a song and even developing artists and getting it out to where people hear it the first time. So I'm glad to have you with us, maybe to pull back the curtain a little bit today and see kind of the, some of the inner workings that go on with the music business. For sure. Well, every week we uh, and guests are on the show have to answer the question of the week, and my listeners would be upset if you didn't. So uh, mm-hmm. we, we it's actually become a part of the show that people ask for online quite often. Now, once again, right. listeners, you can answer these questions online on the Voices in My Head uh, Facebook page. But today's question of the week, we customized it for you today. The question is, if you had to pick just one songwriter's music to listen to for a month, Whose music would you pick? Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit. All right. <laughs> Not that that's something that I'm proud of, cheating. <laughs> but I would spend the month listening to Cindy Wilt Colville clients. Oh. What I do is spend a majority of my month listening to new songs created by songwriters that I'm working with so I would have to say that that's really what I'm most passionate about hmm. is is listening to songs, helping songwriters grow in their craft, helping them have the tools to take their songwriting to the next level. So that would be my focus and who I listen to and who I am most excited about listening to. Hmm. Well, very interesting. That was a little bit of a cheat, but we'll accept that yes. too. So yes, thank you so much. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, um, as we begin today, I, I thought maybe that we would just do, uh, again, some kind of pulling back the curtain a little bit, because you have quite a resume, and there's been a lot that you've done in the music business. You've been a producer, an artist manager, a publisher, and I wonder if just briefly, and our, it doesn't have to be brief, you can go as in-depth as you want. It's a podcast, so that's the beauty of, uh, you know, as long as you as long as you have time, we have time. But um, <laughs> but I wondered if you could just tell us a little bit, because we hear words like, you know, this person's a producer, this person's a publisher. And I think for the, the general public, uh, I think it's just kind of this, oh, okay, I have no idea what they do. Even even on a movie, we'll see, you know, this produced by Jerry Bruckheimer or something. And you go, great, I don't know who that is. Let's watch the movie, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. So maybe first, let's start with this word, uh, a producer. What what would you say by definition? Because you have been a producer. What does a producer do? Well, I I will say that I was a production manager, which meant that I coordinated all of the con, uh, components of putting a record together and developing a um, a record for an artist. So Greg Nelson was a producer, and I was the production manager. Okay. And basically, what what 
Greg's role was as a producer is to find the songs for the artist. If the artist didn't write them, it's the producer's job to find songs that will best complement the artist and will provide the artist the best content that's going to allow them to communicate their heart and their passion. So a producer's job is basically to find the content and then to put the content in the context of musicians, uh, arrangements. He hires all of the um, background singers if there were any need for that. So when we worked with Stephen Curtis Chapman, it was a little bit of a different role because Stephen wrote all of his songs. So there wasn't that component of having to find songs for him. But with Sandy Patty, Larnell Harris, Steve Green, our, our job was to go to all the publishers and the songwriters in town and get great songs. Um, and once you put that project together, you work hand-in-hand hand with the record company, but the creative director, so to speak, for the record is the producer. So they put all of those elements together that give, um, give the record its uniqueness, its direction, its flow. So a producer has many hats, um, but at the end of the day, it's being sure that there's, there's songs on there that are going to connect with the audience. And I would say that um, it is developing content that will connect with the listener because the listener is who is going to purchase this this piece of product and in turn bring success to that project. Hmm. Well, very interesting. That That's a very cool insight that I know listeners are going to enjoy hearing. Now, let's move on. You also have done some artist management and maybe explain to us what an artist manager does. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a very long stint at that, but did have the privilege of working with Matthew West for a year and a half. And basically, again, it's serving the artist. What does the artist need? The artist needs help in booking shows, in making arrangements for his band to fly to shows. It has to do with being sure that the promoters of each show have everything they need to be sure that the show goes off without a hitch. Um, uh, artist manager works very closely with a record label, with the labels involved, in being sure that the label gets everything that they need. Um, we worked on a new project. Matthew was recording a new project. So we uh, wanted to be sure that we had all the songs that were needed from the radio department, being sure that all the bios were, all the new bio information was set up. We secure all of the team around the artist. So we have booking agents, we have publicists, we work with the record companies to be sure that the radio department has everything they need to launch the first single. We work with the producer of the record. His record had three producers on it, so we needed to work with all three producers to be sure that the scheduling would work out. While I was working with Matthew, he um, had the vocal issue. So I went with him to the Vanderbilt Vocal Clinic and sat with him through that when he discovered that it had to be operated on. And mm. so we had to cancel all of the shows for the summer. So the the manager's job is to do everything the artist needs in order to um, 
do what they do. We need to set them free to be creative, to go out and minister. So we take care of all of the details. And uh, a manager is all about the strategic development of the artist as well. How are they going to grow as artists? How are they going to move forward in their, uh, <clears throat> you know, how are they going to develop and mm. and get a wider audience. So uh, another thing that our managers do is they field all of inquiries as to, you know, how could we get Matthew at our church? What are the costs involved? So we direct them to the booking agencies. So And then non-for-profits. I mean, Matthew had a lot of ministry interests, so we work with the people in providing, you know, whatever they need um, to support their ministry. So there's not one specific role that a manager has. It basically, uh, you have your hands in everything the artist has their hands into, including personal, like being sure that the wife is communicated with, with what the schedule is, and mm. um, and then setting up co-writes. And I mean, there's so it's endless um, what the manager's role is. But I loved it. Um, I I enjoyed it. So, uh, but it's a very unique position, very, um, very detail oriented. You have to just have your hand around everything. Hmm. That sounds like a huge job. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. That's amazing. All that you did, and and you know, it, it's neat. You mentioned Matthew West, and it's kind of neat that I'm I'm hearing him now. Even uh, even if it's not him, I'm hearing some of his songs on like country stations, and I. I think I saw a Blake Shelton music video the other day that uh, was one of his songs, actually, <laughs> and and uh, I was like, "Hey, this is cool!" He's, you know, he's he's really transcending and doing all that, and it's it's kind of neat to know you had a hand in all that. So that's wonderful. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about something that, which is more about what you're about now, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, that's on the publishing side of things. And a publisher is another one of those. Uh, big words that a lot of people, you know, it's kind of one of those mystery words of like, oh, wow, you got a publisher, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and, mm-hmm. and I'd love to, for maybe in your words, just explain to us what a publisher does. Absolutely. A publisher has two parts. It has the creative part and it has the administrative part. And so the creative part, actually, I would say three parts, the creative development of a writer and the content, and the song. So a publisher needs to be developing songwriters and songs. Then a, devel- then a publisher takes those songs and, it, and gets those out. Like under a publisher's responsibility is to know who is needing music, who's looking for songs. So that's called exploitation. So the publisher develops the songwriter, develops the song, and then gets the song out there for people to listen to. Like if Mandisa's looking for songs, the, the publisher works with the songwriter, says, okay, this is what Mandisa's looking for, go write. A uh, publisher also sets up co-writes for the songwriter. So really builds their career, kind of helps them grow as a songwriter, and then develops songs, and then the publisher exploits, gets the songs out there. Then once the songs are out there, the publisher is also responsible for being sure that the songwriter <clears throat> the songwriter is getting being sure the songwriter 
is getting paid for the use of their songs by an artist, by CCLI, if the songs are used in a church, if they're used in film and TV, they are responsible for being sure that the monies are being collected for the use of the song. So there's really three components, and and uh, and it's it's a very um, left brain, right brain. You really need to have a good sense of both. Hmm. So um, that that is the big picture role of a public a music publisher. Hmm. Well, very good, and and I know that you're kind of a champion for songwriters, aren't you? Because yes. I, I, from what I understand, and I, I got to meet you briefly when I was in Nashville, and uh, the more I hear about you, and and when I read people when they write something about you, it just seems like you're a person that loves building up artists and really loves encouraging them and and helping them to do their best and. So I think, would you say that's kind of your main priority as a job when you work with an artist? Yes. I mean, I, I would I would call it, yes, singer-songwriters. But I work probably 50-50 with both singer-songwriters and then just songwriters, just folks that just want to grow as a writer, just want to grow in their ability to communicate a truth through a three-minute song. Hmm. Um, and that's a huge challenge. So, yes, I strongly believe that an artist is only as um, relevant and as effective an artist as their songs are. Uh, The song is the tool for an artist to communicate truth without using uh, words. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the marriage of lyric and music that just has this tremendous power. And so I, I find that I want to help them form ideas. So it's idea development. That's a huge part of how do you take one idea and, and develop it in one song. Hmm. And that's usually the, cha- the greatest challenge to developing songwriters is saying one thing um, and saying it creatively, saying it with your own voice, not overusing song, uh, words, you know, using creative, fresh melodies as a as a setting for those song, those words. So uh, that is absolutely my passion, and uh, and it doesn't matter where you are in your development. I mean, some um, clients that I've worked with have written one song. Uh, some have written hundreds of songs. Hmm. So it just um, it, it's it's a joy for me to take you where you are and give you the tools to move forward. A lot of what I do is work with singer-songwriters that are wanting to do an EP. They're wanting to do an album. And my cry to them, my plea is, let's get the songs as strong as they can before you invest a significant amount of money in the production of it. Mm-hmm. Because if the songs aren't there you can have a great production and have no content. Hmm. And that's the greatest challenge. And I think my desire is for songwriters, singer-songwriters, to understand that the development of their content, of the songs, is just as valuable and needs to have as much investment as the production side of it. And it's a, 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 a significant 
um, lesser amount to develop the songs than it is for the production. So I just really encourage songwriters to to see investing in my coaching, let's say, as valuable and, and strategic in moving their artistry forward. Yeah, I I agree totally. I, that's and that's one thing I've picked up from you. And a few years ago, um, I read an article. Um, I think it it was someone writing about Bruce Springsteen's early years, <laughs> and mm. uh, they said at that time I think he was maybe four albums in before he ever had a hit song. I think, mm. and uh, it was interesting him talking about. He said the way that that even record labels worked a little differently back then, and that you know it, it seems like any more out of the shoot. If you don't have that first one, doesn't make a splash, you'll never hear from me again. And I really like the idea that you're talking about of helping to develop and make sure that there's actually something there um, before we start revealing it to the world. And, um, and, and really, even in community, I think that can be an example of the body of Christ and why we need each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I love sharing my songs with other people sometimes when I'm not real sure about them because I like to get input and go, right. <laughs> okay, so what right. needs to be fixed on this? You know, How can we make this better? But then it turns it into something so much stronger and healthier in the, in the long term. So. Yeah, and I think that that's a huge component of what I do is provide songwriters with feedback. Feedback gives your songs voice. It gives them life. It's like all of a sudden you have someone that's giving you credible, productive feedback to say, this is good, let's move this forward. This could be better. This could be even more effective. So mm-hmm. that's a, a very powerful important component to a songwriter's life is to be sure that they're given a voice. And and it's important to, you know, bring songs to people like you. You know, as a writer myself, I know the easiest thing to do is go to mom or my wife or somebody and say, hey, listen to this song. And they're always going to go, that's great. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. great to have somebody who is, uh, you know, able to step away from it and say, but let's look at what could be better here. Because, you know, mom's not going to tell you that necessarily. And, you know, your spouse isn't necessarily going to tell you that. So. Mm-hmm. Today, um, we have a neat opportunity because we have a couple of artists um, who are have sent in some songs, and I had asked you in advance if you'd be willing just to do some critiquing, which uh, is basically a lot of what you do with writers and helping mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. so we have a couple of brave souls who actually emailed their, their songs in in MP3 forms. And we'll see how much time, um, how much we can fit in today. But I appreciate you being willing to to do some critiquing. So um, let's start, if we will. Or do you have a song you'd you'd like to start with today as we begin? Um, let's. We can start with "There Is Hope." There is hope. Okay. Uh, this is a song. Uh, it's called "There Is Hope." This was sent in by Robert Husong. Uh, I I call him Bob, and uh, he is a. It was also written not only by Robert but Dustin Stewart <laughs> and Adam Zayn, and um, their group is actually called a New Creation. And so um, we're going to be playing some some clips from them. There is no way. Trials cast shadows of doubt They seem bigger than your faith allows And the sound of seclusion 
let's let's hear your critique on this song. Great, great. One thing I want to say is that part of giving feedback, usually I don't do one song critiques because I can't really identify the strengths of the writing necessarily. Um, and so this is just one song, and um, uh, and so there, there is value in a service that I do, which is a catalog assessment, where I take 10 songs, and I, I listen to those songs. And when I listen to a song, I want to find out where do they usually go with the, the big idea. They have this title, this hook, and then they have the verse, and how does the first verse move the second the the idea forward and then the chorus does that provide the big payoff the big resolve and then how does the second verse really develop the idea and move the idea forward so this is this is um, I'm going to give some just just some big broad statements of uh, ideas of maybe making this song uh, a little bit stronger now this is absolutely fully produced. And I think sometimes when you've lived with the song for a really long time and when you've been performing a song out, um, it's difficult to really make those changes emotionally. So, but I think there are, some, there are a few things that I would suggest in making There Is Hope even stronger. Um, again, I felt like overall, melodically, it was very easy to listen to. There wasn't um, any kind of dissonance. It just felt like it moved forward nicely. Um, one thing I would want to remind writers is be sure that you use, song, you use words in a song that you use in everyday conversation. Hmm. Don't use big words. Be very cautious in using you know, three to four syllable words. Um, uh, Three-syllable words, I know that that's uh, not that many. But right. So, for instance, in the first verse, the, uh, the last lines, um, it says, the sound of seclusion is deafening every prayer to God you shout. Those are big words mm. for the context, I believe. And then even you have in the verse, first verse, reassurance. Oh, that's not bad. I get that. But you don't use that word much in a conversation. So just um, I would consider just trying to simplify those concepts because it just felt like it was hard for me to get my mind around that listening through the first time. Hmm. So, And then in the, second, in the very first chorus, you halved the chorus. You didn't use the full chorus. Rarely, if ever, would I see that as an effective um, device to only use half a chorus. I would absolutely put the full chorus the very first time in the song. Because um, what that does is you really want to be able to say, okay, I have so developed this idea in the verse and so set it up that they have got to hear the whole chorus. And then I was a little bit confused with what the hook of the song is. Is it there is a love or is it there is hope? Hmm. So that's sometimes something you will find in a song as well, is that there's two, really two hooks here. So what does it mean that there is hope? 
And I don't know that I would necessarily have there is a love as well as there is hope Hmm. in the chorus. I would say, what is the big idea here? So I always love to ask this question in a song. So what? So what there is a hope? Hmm. What is that going to do for the listener? How is the listener going to grow and going to lock in on um, the truth that's presented here. So, and then there was a theological question. Like when I listen to songs, I'm always on the radar. My on the radar is like, is this theologically sound? Mm. Is it's not judging the heart of the songwriter. But sometimes we use words that we don't think about how that's going to make the listener feel uh, in their response. So there's a very last line of the chorus that says, you're not alone, just grab hold and don't let go. Hmm. What I would say to that is that it is God who holds us, not we who hold God. Hmm. And I think that, like I do, I'm on the listening board for song discovery. Mm-hmm. And so I'm listening to these brand new worship songs that are coming into the church, and Song Discovery is selecting them to be on their Song Discovery disc. And so one of the components is, are there any theological red flags? And so the scripture that says, I want to take hold of God who has first taken hold of me, that is the theological truth that is going to give me the most hope. I don't want to think that it's up to me to hold on to God. My God is big enough. That gives me hope. So those are just very subtle but pretty pretty significant um, theological uh, truths that you want to um, kind of have expressed in your song. So um, I think melodically I felt that it was very strong. It was very easy to listen to. had a nice payoff in the chorus. Um, I felt like the, pre, the kind of the, the melody into the chorus from the verse, it, like every prayer to God you shout, melodically it almost felt like it paid off almost more than the, the chorus melody. So you just want to be sure that there's a nice, strong build from the verse into the chorus. And so sometimes that's the role of the pre-chorus, to really set up that chorus payoff and not pay off too much. Don't use too many of the big notes in the, in the verse. You want, you want the chorus to have the biggest notes and that biggest payoff. And I liked the bridge. It was a very good kind of um, transition. It was a good change in the energy. It kind of brought down the energy kind of had a good truth, um, and then it just went back into the chorus. So I thought that was a good good structure, um, a good sense of rhyme. I really liked that. So, uh, And then just, again, be sure that you're using simple words and being sure that you're saying it very conversationally because you want to connect with the listener the first time through the song. Um, and I would say that you also want in the chorus the hook, so that you can say there is hope or like when they're finished listening to the song, do they know 
that this song is called There Is Hope. Oh, I want I want I want to listen to that There Is Hope song again. Whereas it might be a little confusing because it's There Is a Love. Oh, is this There Is a Love or There Is a Hope? I, so, yeah, I, those, I had wondered. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, I was just gonna say that was one thought I had too when listening to it. I I kind of thought, is it There Is Love when I was listening to it, and, I, and maybe the title would be Served Better by There Is Love. But um, right, but right. Yeah, well, very interesting. And and uh, Bob, thank you very much. That was Bob whose song uh, he sent yes. that in. Thank and you. and I didn't mean to cut you off. Were you finished? I it sounded like yes. wrapping. Okay. No, I think uh, I I'm I'm. I'm I am finished. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll say this too, I played that song for my wife this morning and she said, "Now I want to go listen to Carry On My Wayward Son by Kansas." because uh, yeah. they had, it had the uh, the vocals were like, "Wow, those are some nice uh, some nice harmonies they have in there." Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Going Absolutely. Well, thanks so much again, Bob, for doing that. And um, we, you had a little bit of uh, of trouble getting the song "Seeds So Precious," and I, I wanted to make sure were you able to open that one up? And I sure you, was. I'm all set. I'm okay, ready. Fantastic. Well, mm-hmm. let's let's go on to that one next. Um, this is a song by uh, Gerald Andrews or Jerry, um, and he sent in this song called "Seeds So Precious." Um, 
And that's where I would also, I think one of the challenges is you have this idea called seed so precious. And, um, and, and I liked the, 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 um, the heart behind this is that you are precious in God's sight. You, you are, you will be found. Um, and, and I like that it just worked with the scripture. One thing I would say is when you're using scripture, even in using scripture, be sure you're using your voice. Hmm. It's really important that you're putting it in your own words because this is what's going to connect with the listener um, rather than just using just straight scripture. Um, how how can you say it in 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 a new way? Like I think um, you know the message is Eugene Peterson is a great example of you know how does he say things script, scriptures that we've heard all our lives. Sure. Um, I, just be careful you're not overusing words. Like in this situation, uh, in this song, you use scattered. In verse one, you use scattered along the path in verse two. So I probably would say, can we find another word? So you don't use the same words. Try not to use the same words in in a song. Come up with a new way, you know, however, thrown along the path or dropped. You know, I, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not wanting to write the song. But, again, um, and then, then he, he overuse of the word some. Some is lost, some is found, some is. Uh, I just maybe would try a little bit, try to just see if there are some other words rather than repeating those. Um, chorus, very nice lift, um, melodically, coming from heaven to a place in your heart. If you'll just let him, he'll give you a start. Hear that rhyme? Mm-hmm. Seed so precious, he's setting you apart. Now, and then it ends with from the world. I, I, I'm not sure that's the greatest ending of a chorus, from the world. It's kind of a negative. It kind of leaves you on the, like, a more of a, yeah, I, I just feel like it's focusing more on the world than on who we are in Christ. Hmm. That's just, just an opinion. And then I would, verse 3, I think, Again, coming up with more words instead of reusing heart and start um, in verse 3. Because, again, you've already used that strategically in, um, in the chorus. So I wouldn't use those words again. And what struck me on this song after listening to it was this could be a, a very sweet children's song, hmm. a very sweet way of communicating a truth of how how um, God will bring things into our lives and, and that you want to be planted in good soil. And I think that, um, I think that's, a, that's a concept you could have said is what does that look like? You know, what does it look like to be planted in, in good soil? Because you kind of focus on um, the negative and, in the verses, but you really don't kind of keep that going and give us a picture of what does it look for seed to be in good soil. Hmm. So that's something that you might even consider doing um, in, in the verse, in the third verse is saying, you know, so I want to let the seed grow in my heart. I want to let God 
plant it deeply, plant his truth. And and what does he plant in you? So um, what does it mean? To, how did he set us apart kind of thing? So hmm. that yeah. that's my, that's just uh, some thoughts on that song. Great. Well, thank you for doing that. And thank you, Jerry, again, for sending that in. Um, I, I think uh, Jerry just recently actually got to spend some time with uh, with Glenn Campbell, and Glenn was retiring this year, and uh, they were old family friends, and he got to share a song he wrote for Glenn with Glenn, and so uh, mm. we're really happy for him, and that that's kind of a cool thing, to get to sit with one of your heroes and just get to share a yeah. song with them. So, that's uh, great. That's but, great. Yes, and, and I want to thank you writers for having the courage to let your songs be heard and to give your song life to go, hey, how how can I get better? Because I think what I love that I find over and over and over in writers is they want to just grow. Sure. You know, and I love it that there's no ego. It's like no genuine desire to grow in your craft. And that that is um, exciting for me, and it makes my work very satisfying. Mm. And it really is this sense of, you know, it's almost like you're you're holding out your baby for the world and like are they going to think it's ugly? <laughs> and uh and it, so that's that's great. It takes a lot of bravery to do that. So Absolutely. Well, how are you doing on time? I don't want to take too much of your time today. Do you have I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Do you want to do one more? I I could throw sure. in one of my demos I've been working on. Uh, and, and uh, you know, again, th- this is just uh, something I love that we can have this conversation. I love getting to uh, share and talk about songs with people. So I sent one just to, to put myself kind of in the line of fire as well today because mm-hmm. I feel like this is a very beneficial thing to do is to talk through our theology and songs. And by the way, I love that you pointed that out. Um, that that we honestly want to look for any red flags in our theology when we go through mm-hmm. two, and I think that's very important. I, I made reference on on this podcast one time when um, I was talking with a good friend, Fred Human, who I, I believe was a mutual right. friend of ours, and and I, I told him I said, you know, back when I was in college, I heard this song on the radio, and and it was supposed to be the next big hit by the producer of the Newsboys or something like that. And the song said, "You have Jesus on your side. I know He'll make you smile. I know He'll make I know He'll make your dreams come true the way you want them to." And and I thought, "Wow, how did this get on? You know, how did this even get outside of into a recording? Because that's just like uh, bad theology there." But um, so I appreciate that, that you can look at that together too, and and that's something that maybe just in regular secular songwriting we don't always look at and and see from those things. So. Right. All right. Well, well, go ahead and fire away, and and we'll talk about. Um, this is a song that I've been working on. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Uh, wrote it from Colossians three, and let's hear what you have to say. There are things in life uncertain. Mysteries I will never know There are paths that I have taken Where I never should have gone There are lies that try to sway me But this truth will conquer them Christ has died Christ is risen 
Christ is coming back again. Put to death your sinful nature, every lust and every greed. Clothe yourselves with Christ's compassion. Gentleness, humility, for you died and now are hidden in this truth that always lives. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ is coming back again. I will glory. I will boast only in Him Who has died and is risen And is coming back again Great. Uh, love the melody. It seemed like a, a very strong setting for this song. I loved it. It kind of had a Celtic kind of uh, folk song sense to it, which I really liked. Very easy, very accessible to the listener. Um, the first line, I thought, there are things in life uncertain. Hmm. I thought, okay, that's, that sounds very old English. Is this a hymn? Is this going to be, is the vernacular, are the word choices going to be more of the old hymns? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That are just a little bit old English. And so I was, I I would, um, that felt a little uh, not as conversational as I think the over, like the opening line could be. Now, um, uh, I think uh, there are things in life uncertain, mysteries I will never know. There are paths that I have taken where I never should have gone. Now, that has a good flow in it. I, I... where is the rhyme in that? Mm-hmm. Well, sure. Uh, and I'm, I'm asking, uh, well, I have the writer right here. Well, yeah. Well, the rhyme is more, and I actually had thought about that. The rhyme is more, it, it feels more rhymy when you sing it, I think. Mysteries I will never know. There are paths that I have taken where I never should have gone. It's it's not a straight rhyme. It's more of a... Um, it fits with the um, the syllable, I guess I would say. It's not uh, it's not exactly a straight rhyme with with no like I didn't want to put show or whatever it is mm-hmm. there. But but I struggled with it, which is which is good. I love to I love to hear your input on that. So. Like what's really cool in verse two, you go for you died and now are hidden in this truth that always lives. Mm-hmm. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ is coming back again. See, hidden, risen. That's <laughs> That's very strong. Okay. And 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 you, that is the challenge of writing, is that, yes, at the end of the day, you know, um, the listener is going to be moved by the melody. But I am always challenging the writer to dig deeper in word choices and being sure that, again, you're giving the listener um, places to land. Mm-hmm. Um, so I again I it's very comfortable. I think just the um the the 
pattern, how the melody falls with the words, absolutely feels very comfortable. Um, and then the the other, I mean, again, I like the chorus. I love the simplicity of it. I would glory in my Savior. I will boast only in him who has died and is risen and is coming back again. Again, in him, again. That feels very comfortable. Um, the the one, um, and, and I would just keep, again, the structure. You have Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ is coming back again. Mm-hmm. Then in verse 2, you have the same thing. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ is coming back again. Then I probably would have done that again, kept that very consistent verse 1, 2, and 3. Hmm. Okay. So that, that, that pattern. And um, and uh, I, I guess um, I think that that's about it. I mean, I felt like it was very strong, um, I, there wasn't, uh, it just felt very comfortable with me, very easy to listen to. I just, one thing that's only on a production set, mm-hmm. um, at times it felt a little, the production felt a little bit distracted with the little elements. But again, that's just the production, just just the timing on how, I think, was there a tambourine? No, it was just at, at this point it's just a little me in my house doing uh, a guitar and a banjo and, and well, you know what? It was a program drum loop that I was using, so there, got it. there okay. might have been a little bit of a tambourine in there. Yes, yeah. but very, very wonderful setting of this. And again, this is um, and and I would even my thing would be you know Christ is risen would be even a stronger title just just rather than Christ is died Christ is risen hmm. it's just like Christ is risen that that's just a very small little thing but um, I, I think that that could be uh, just simplify that but sure. uh, but very good I really liked this a lot so thank you thank you I appreciate that so well let me ask you since I have you here on the line today and you don't often you know get a chance to sit like this. Um, let's go back to because I kind of want to have a, a dialogue with you. Say like maybe you would have with one of your writers mm-hmm. um, as you're having this. So say when they come, you know, with the demo and the song, and so here we have one, uh, and you were just pointed out that maybe no and gone should be a better rhyme. So we might take a line like this of uh, there are paths I have taken. Um, where a man just shouldn't go, or something like that, that maybe would make it rhyme with no. I mean, how how would how would you, if you you know were were looking at that, say in a co-writer situation or something, would you go more for something like that, or? Uh, and again, we're talking about um, the the beginning of it. it, it I I did kind of have in my mind it would hopefully take a hymn like um form and so like the mm-hmm. first line with there are things in life uncertain did you did you feel that that kind of followed through the song that it did kind of feel like it was you know sort of him like or was it maybe the rest of the song just kind of changed after that first right line? I, I i didn't feel like that was consistent i i felt like everything else was pre- there are lies that try to sway me like mm-hmm. you know but this truth will conquer them mm-hmm. uh you know it, it kind of mixed it up a bit so mm-hmm. um so I, I I would I probably often with writers I will say hey mm-hmm. you know what that's just something for you to consider sure. what do you how is it going to serve the song better and I think that you know it is very typical when I work with folks that there's going to be two or three co-writes and when someone's really thought through the song and 
really processed it and have developed the idea, often, you know, they will go, okay, well, let's just, let's move on to the next one. This is pretty, this is finished. This is Mm -hmm. just a suggestion, not a make or break on whether this song is going to be effective and whether people are going to enjoy it or not. So I would probably challenge uh, uh, always to go for as much um, structure, being sure that that's locked in and consistent. Right. Well, great. And, and you know, as uh, as we've pointed out on this show before, that um, in our churches and when you're writing for churches, um, it, you know, no matter how much the pastor would like it, people aren't going to leave hum- humming the sermon, but they will leave with the songs in their head. And, you know, if we want to try to be servants for the church uh, when we write, um, it really benefits us to have conversations like this with people who um, who know what they're doing and, and can come with some, some outside outlook that don't have as much invested in the song and just say, hey, this is how I think we can make it even better. Right. And, uh, and, you know, I really feel like that's what God and the Holy Spirit does in us, too. I've I've mm-hmm. used that analogy so many times when I've been speaking someplace and just said, you know, I don't I don't think God is this. Uh, if we want to use say that he's a song critiquer, you know, he's not coming in there just to destroy and demolish and say this is awful, get rid of it. He's coming in to say, boy, how can we make this better, and and how can we make your life live the best it can be? So, mm-hmm. well, well, Cindy, it has been a real privilege today. Thank you for taking some time, and I want to thank the writers that have sent in songs today. It's a, a nerve-wracking thing sometimes to be able to share a song you're working on and ask somebody else to you know, in some ways tear it apart. And I can even hear your heart today. It's it's very much uh, for the better of the song, for the betterment of the artist. And we just appreciate you coming on Voices in My Head today and, and doing some of what you do for the listeners in front of the audience. Absolutely. And, and please feel free to uh, check out my website. It's just cindywiltcolville.com. So we'd love for you to just check out my website and Um, If you want to be on my mailing list, we'd love to include you all on that as well. So I look forward to just keeping in touch. And and it is a great website. I highly recommend all the listeners go to cindywiltcolville.com. And it's it's got – if you wonder who she's worked with, just go to the page that has all the artists that are given recommendations. It's a very impressive list of people that she's been able to help and work with. And we're very proud to have you on Voices in My Head today. Um, Any final words you want to share with the audience today? Well, I just want to uh, kind of just show my appreciation to you, Rick, for just taking, making this effort to give creatives opportunity to grow. And I love that heart. And that is what, what motivates us to do what we do is that people have a genuine passion to say, hey, let's encourage each other in our journey. Mm. If it's writing songs, great. If it's serving the poor, great. Let's be about building God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Mm. So I appreciate your role and your ministry to equipping us all in our journey. So thank you very, very much. Oh, well, I, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Well, Cindy, it's been great having you as one of the voices in my head today.
all my thanks to Cindy Wilt Colville, to Jerry Andrews and Bob Husong. Thank you very much for sending all of your music in. I encourage you listeners, go to rickleejames.com. Listen to their songs in their entirety. Uh, they are good songs, and they need to be heard. And uh, thank you very much for listening to Voices in My Head. Sorry we've gone long again. We're at the 75-minute mark, so I'm just going to be quiet now. And uh, go to our outro, but thank you again. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week here on Voices in My Head. You've been listening to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. If you'd like to know more about me, my ministry, my music, my life, go to my website at rickleejames.com. You can also download my free mobile app from iTunes and on the Android Marketplace. And I'd love this to be a community experience, so if you call 937-505-0162, you can leave feedback, you can give me suggestions for future shows, you can even record comments that I can play on the next podcast. So let's make this something really great together. 937-505-0162. Thank you so much for listening to Voices in My Head, the official Rick Lee James podcast. God bless.